Hello, Aspies, and welcome to Inside the Asperger Studios. I'm Reed Miles. I'm joined with Dr. Cliff, veterinary extraordinaire. Welcome to the show, Cliff. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. You have quite, first of all, let me say you have quite the impressive profile. You've been all over the world helping those. I mean, what kind of stories can you share with helping animals? I mean, have you come across any great stories? Oh, man, it's, uh, yeah, my my trips, my volunteer trips started uh, summer of 2016 in Jamaica. And the second day I was there working with the Kingston Zoo and the Jamaican SPCA, I ended up uh, assisting in removing the eyeball out of an American crocodile. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> scary. Speak. That's scary. It was, it was pretty amazing. Um, and obviously, I, I had never done anything like that before. I actually, I, I focused primarily on cats and dogs here in the, uh, in the real world. So I had never been that close to a crocodile. I'd never done surgery on a crocodile. Um, it ended up not being difficult. Uh, it was very similar to, uh, to a dog, let's say. Um, but the initial restraint was kind of tricky cause they had to sedate it and they duct taped its, its muzzle shut and tied its arms behind its back. Um, it was kind of crazy, but that begun the, uh, crazy adventures. And I've done everything from, uh, you know, gone deep under the earth and found some uh, almost extinct baby bats. Um, they're dealing with a fungal infection called white nose disease. Uh, in uh, in uh, India, about a year and a half ago, I ended up doing multiple surgeries on a rhesus monkey that had uh, broken its arm. Um, and even a giant fruit bat, like uh, one of those flying foxes. Like we've done some some crazy stuff and it's always been uh, quite an adventure which is why i keep doing it good to hear i mean like i said you sound like the actual version the uh, the canadian version of dr jeff Rocky that's right uh, yeah i i could take that he's uh he's got some skills <laughs> anyways let's get into some interesting questions here what can you say the importance of a, what is the importance of a pet to someone who's either on the spectrum or off the spectrum? Yeah. And, you know, I think the benefits uh, are the same, regardless of if you're on the spectrum or not, or what level on the spectrum you are. I mean, pets, and this is why I focus on companion animals versus say food animals. Uh, I prefer taking care of pets that are members of the family uh, versus that are, you know, ones that have a dollar value, but to, to, um, I guess it would be called, uh, uh is, is atypical the right term to apical or what's the other opposite term? Atypical or neurotypical. NT. Or it's something typical for people who are not on the spectrum. NTs as we call them, non-typical. Yeah, I can't think of it, but anyways. I'm losing you a little bit. I'll just keep yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. So with, uh, with, with pets, I mean, they bring us joy and because of that and because of the sort of, uh, um, unqualified happiness and that they're always happy to see us, they don't judge. It's been shown that it brings people joy and it reduces our anxiety levels again, regardless of if you're on the spectrum or not. Um, it helps us be more social. It helps children, learn how to care, learn how to communicate, 
Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful sort of career to be in because I'm able to help people with, with furry members of their family. That's a very good answer, actually. Um, in your honest opinion, what makes the perfect companion pet? Oh, I would say uh, it's going to be dependent upon the person, right? I mean, um, you're going to want to look for an animal that's going to match your sort of physical abilities and your your time, you know? So if you don't have as much time to walk them, let's say we're talking about a dog, to walk them or to train them, then maybe you want to get, get a cat, you know? <laughs> One that you can even leave for... 36 or 48 hours with some extra food and they're okay. You can't do that with a dog. Um, if you're looking for a dog, then you have to look at, well, does shedding a big issue? What about the size of the dog, right? Like I have people that come into my clinic, you know, longtime clients and they're now 75, 80 years old and maybe a hundred pounds. And they're asking about getting a big Rottweiler or a big Labrador. And these guys are going to knock them over, right? You know, so you kind of have to look at your, how much time you have to take care of them, how much uh, physical ability you have to exercise them. Cause that's a big, especially with dogs. If, if it's a, a breed that is hyper and requires that type of activity level and you don't give it to them, they become destructive, uh, both of your house and of themselves as well. So it's a big, uh, it's a big factor. Speaking of like learning from our pets, what can the what can we learn from our own pets? I mean, what can kids learn from their pets to help them get through life? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, unconditional love, I think, is uh, is is one of them, and I think a lot of people it takes them a long time to learn that though, uh, to realize that oh, all the dogs I've had or all the cats I've had are not judgmental, you know, they, they like everyone equally, uh, especially certain dog breeds. Um, and, you know, I think instantly though, dogs and cats, and again, I'm gonna focus primarily on them, pets bring us the ability to learn sort of the value of, of giving for others, like being selfless. Um, mm. You know, it, 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 it makes us so happy to be able to take care of our pets. And it's a good lesson for children um, or some adults need that lesson as well, that there's actually some real benefit to just caring about something else as much or more than you care about yourself. That's a very good answer. Um, speaking of pets and everything, have you always wanted to be a vet and work with animals? Uh, you know, if you had have asked me as a kid what I wanted to be, veterinarian wouldn't have been top of the list. Um, now, I did look into being, you know, a zoologist or I did look a lot into being a teacher. Uh, I was even very interested in being a police officer. Um, but never, you know, I never focused on being a veterinarian and I never made that decision until my final year in high school. But... I've run into and, and had conversations with teachers of mine. One of them was my teacher from at grade one, grade four, and grade five, Mrs. Burak. And Mrs. Burak, so she knew me when I was six years old. When she found out I was a veterinarian, she said, I knew you were going to be a veterinarian from the beginning. 
And well, why is that? She says, well, you know, anytime you guys had to do a project or a speech, it was always on animals. That's all you talked about, Cliff, was always about animals. You taught us about birds and you taught us about, you know, animals going extinct and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I didn't think I wanted to be a veterinarian, um, but I think uh, I think the cosmos had plans and it was my fate to do this job. Now, did you grow up with animals in your household? Sorry, say that again. Did you grow up with animals in your household? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, I, uh, the oldest memory I have, I was probably about four years old and I remember we had a big collie named Pasha. Um, uh, but it was, I would say half the time we had either a cat or a dog and half the time we had, we had nothing. Um, but, uh, we kind of, we kind of grew up in a very humble area and, and we struggled financially. We were much more rich in love than in finances. So animals were not, you know, a big part of our life just because of that. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, as soon as I went to university and then got my own apartment, now, now my place is full of animals and it, it'll always be that way. <laughs> so what kind of animals do you have right now? Uh, right now I only have two dogs. Uh, actually, if you can see them, they are, there's one right over there. Aww. My big labradoodle named Thalia. Thalia, Thalia. She's a big, uh, she looks all furry because all the groomers are shut. And then we got a little black dog in the background, the tiny little thing that's hard to see named Ashley, a Havanese. Um, so we've just got the two dogs, but we've got a couple of uh, cats living here at the clinic. And then, uh, you know, I'm always bringing animals home that need a home. They'll stay with us for a week and then we eventually find them a home. So our place is always full. That's great to hear. You have any pets? Yeah, I have a, we have a mountain cur. She is a brindle, a rescue, smartest dog in the world. And Oh, that's right. Yeah. One of the stories I can tell you is when we first got her, we let, my mom had read something about to help with a cold, you'd soak raisins in, uh, I think it was vodka, vodka or something in a bowl and you soak them overnight. Right. Well, what happened was my dog managed to, she managed to jump up on the table, get to the corner where the bowl was and eat them all. And the way they went in is the way they came out. Oh, no. Well, you're lucky because raisins are highly toxic to dogs. Yeah, we're very lucky. Um, and highly the next time, toxic. And then the next time we had, my mom had made a challah, which is a, I'm not sure if you know what a challah is. Like a bread, right? Yeah, it's a bread. Yep. Fresh made bread. And we left them on the table. We went out for about an hour. We came back. I walk into the kitchen. It's gone. Oh. And we figured she managed to get the chi- to get up onto the chair and then onto the table to eat it. They figured out. It's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be having conversations with pet owners and they'll ask me about you know, how smart their dog is, or they'll say, I don't think our dog's very smart. It doesn't seem to be able to learn these tricks. 
And then they'll tell me a story like that. And they'll say, your dog is smart when it wants to be. It can solve a problem and figure out how to get up on the counter when it only weighs 20 pounds. Um, maybe it just doesn't want to do the trick that you're teaching it to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's got a uh, he, he's got a hyperactivity disorder, maybe. I don't know. Um, but uh, all the funniest stories come from when we talk about what dogs ate. Yeah, I mean, the funniest story we've seen, my mom and I watch a show called um, The Funniest Pet Videos, and apparently this guy's Uh, wife had taught their dog how to open the freezer. And then from the freezer, he he learned how to open the refrigerator and then get up on his hind legs and pull out the food he wanted. Wow. So when when they're away, freezer's open and trash cans knocked down the refrigerator's open and there's food scattered all over the place <laughs> and he couldn't figure it out until they put up a camera and they watched this dog and how smart he is that mm. he he'll pull the freezer half the refrigerator halfway grab the um hinge and pull it so it can swing the fridge door the refrigerator door open wow yeah, they're 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 smart. They're smart animals, especially if they're food motivated. Yeah, or bored. Yes, yes, and that goes back to my original conversation. Like, you get an animal that's smart and energetic. Oh, those dogs, because they will they will find trouble to get into. Yeah. Um, do you watch any of the TV vet the vet shows on TV at all? And do you have a favorite one? Um, I don't watch any of the ones currently, um, partially because by the time I get home, I need to escape from what I was doing. Um, so I watch things like Ozark or a big sports fan. Yeah. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs won last night against the hated Montreal Canadiens, <laughs> uh, which was very nice. Um, so I watch a lot of that, a lot of MMA, that sort of thing. Um, but my favorite vet show, and it's not on anymore, and it was actually an inspiration for me to do the traveling, is uh, called Luke Gamble's Vet Adventures. Mm. Um, you can check it out on, on YouTube. He was a, uh, he's a veterinarian in the UK, and he would travel around the world. And this, this TV show was on Animal Planet. Each episode, he was in a different country helping out. It was uh, very well shot, very sort of intellectually stimulating. Um, you know, the, a lot of the vet shows that are on right now, um, I kind of yell at the TV when I start watching it because a lot of the things the vets are saying is totally incorrect. And I don't know if they're just wrong or if they're saying something that meets with their advertisers or, you know, they're being told what to say by the producer. I don't know, but uh, it kind of drives me crazy. <laughs> uh, anyways what kind of advice can you give for caring for a pet for anyone either on the spectrum or off the spectrum? Cause I know caring when you get into caring for a pet, there is a lot to it. Yeah. And there's more than the, you know, the tender loving care and feed them two square meals a day and exercise them and clean up after them. I mean, obviously speak to your veterinarian, um, get the necessary vaccines and do the necessary sort of parasite prevention Uh, especially in the U.S., because you guys have a warmer climate than us. Um, Things like ticks and fleas and certain intestinal parasites are a lot more common, and they can really wreak havoc on on your dog's system and your cat's system. 
Um, so preventative medicine is key. Um, and also, and this, you know, this sounds so cliche, but recognize that this pet is potentially going to be with you for 15 to 20 years. And, you know, how do you see your life 15, 20 years from now? And if it doesn't necessarily jive with having a pet in your life, then maybe get a guinea pig <laughs> that's going to go two <laughs> or three years, you know, or maybe just foster um, or don't get a pet. Cause that's, that's the biggest issue is people, they get it on a whim, you know, they'll, they'll spend three or $4,000 without thinking about it and getting a cute puppy from a store. And then a couple of years later, they grow bored of it and they end up uh, dropping it off at a humane society. And it's just, it's tragic. Yeah. Speaking of like getting your pets um, vaccinated and all that, how how can we tell when our pet is sick? Is there any kind of signs or things to look for when we have a pet, whether it's a cat or a dog? Yeah. So um, one quick story when I was in, that's going to sort of relate to this when I was first year university. So before I got into vet school, my roommate was a pre-med student and he's now a, a, a emergency and sports doctor physician just north of us. And he used to tell me stories later on that in, in uh, human medicine school and med school, they would call um, uh, like infant medicine or neo, neonatal medicine, they would call it veterinary medicine 101 because the neonate doctor, the professor, the pediatrician said, this is like being a veterinarian. The patient, the baby, can't talk, can't tell you where it hurts, and you have to rely on what is its appetite like, what are its bowel movements like, and just does it seem less healthy than it did the day before. Um, and that's, that's the biggest thing. You just need to have, that animal needs to be a part of your life in the sense of you know better than anyone else when it's sick. I mean, obviously, if it's vomiting, there's a problem, or if it's limping, or if it has diarrhea, or if it's not eating, those are obvious problems. But I have people bringing in their pets to me, and they'll say, no, everything's fine in the sense of it's not vomiting, it's not coughing, it's not sneezing, it doesn't have diarrhea, it's eating fine. But there's something wrong. I know my pet, there's something wrong with it. And sure enough, I examine it and we always find something, but the people know. So, so just have to pay attention and when in doubt, call because veterinarians don't charge for phone calls. Just call and say, hey, this is what's on. Should I be worried? And they'll tell you. Um, just don't don't ignore it and stay off of Google. Dr. Google <laughs> frightens everybody and is rarely correct. You know, just call your mm -hmm. veterinarian. Um, have you always wanted to work with animals? Say that again. Have you always wanted to work with animals all your life? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, originally I talked about how I didn't necessarily want to be a veterinarian, but I did, you know, I always looked into being a marine biologist or a zoologist um, and even when I wanted to be a, a, a police officer, I had thought about being a, one of the canine unit police officers. 
uh, yeah, um, you know, the cops that ride the horses down down the Chicago streets or where. Um, so yeah, I think there's always been a, a an interest in having animals as part of my. So animals have kind of been like part of your life and your blood ever since you were a little kid. So animals have te- technically Sorry, been in say your that bl- again. The signal. So, so animals have been in your blood for a long time, from when you were wee little all the way up to now. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I'm probably about ten. Yeah, I think I'm ten percent Jack Russell Terrier. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's true. <laughs> I love them. I, I it, yeah. they they bring me a lot of joy. Do you believe in the fallacy that people where people say? the owners look like they're animals? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, once I got uh, my big shaggy Labradoodle Thalia, I started growing my beard and sometimes my hair uh, is all crazy and messy like hers. So, um, yeah, there seems to be something true to that. I see the tall running type of owners that get greyhounds and then I see the tiny sort of tough muscle guys getting Jack Russell Terriers. Like it's a very common, it's a common and true scenario. Anyways, are there animals that make better pets than others? Um, well, I mean, if you're talking about species, uh, again, it depends on sort of your lifestyle, right? Like if you're, if you're not home a lot, then a dog isn't, isn't the right kind of pet for you. Um, and then stick with a cat or, or something that's, you know, like a pocket pet or even a bird. Um, but if you're talking about certain breeds of dogs, let's say, um, there's really no, like, they're all good. I mean, certain purebreds have more health problems. Um, boxers and bulldogs, um, chihuahuas, and then the giant breeds can have some issues. Um, but as far as their companionship, it really is, uh, I mean, it's just like a relationship between two people. Um, it really is an individual thing. And so it's something that people need to take time in deciding when they get a pet. You don't, you don't decide to commit to someone for 15 years after you've only met them once or twice. Um, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't make a commitment to a dog um, because you saw this cute thing in the window, like you need to do some research. Well, I know that firsthand because when we were looking for a new dog, we had two pugs for the longest time. Mm. We lost our male pug to a car that just came in. He got hit by a car. Right. And then our female, she lasted 16 years. And then when we, and then we waited a year and then we started looking and we started going through rescues and my, we started looking at babies and this one rescue agency says i don't know if i can give you guys a baby because i don't know if you guys will be around long enough for it and we don't want to have that don't want to put it through the whole returning to us because we don't know if you're going to be there you may want to think about looking at older dogs right so why do they think you're not going to be there I don't know, because they were talking with my mother and she's older, so they didn't really consider, hey, he, she's also got a son living with her, me, All right. who'd be taking care of it after she's gone. 
Yeah. So we wound up with my mocha. Yeah, but you ended up getting, you ended up getting her, and uh, and you love her to death, so it worked out. Yeah, she's a great dog, like I said. Um, yeah. On your, in your honest opinion, what pet makes better for someone on the spectrum, a cat or a dog? Um, I mean, you'd probably be able to answer that better than me. Um, you know, I guess some people on the spectrum, some boys and girls, um, they need that calming uh, sort of attitude of a cat. And they just really benefit from the, the, the benefit of sort of the touch therapy and it can reduce anxiety. But then you have other, other children or adults on the, on the spectrum that may be more hyperactive and need that sort of release with a dog that has energy. Um, now, if you have someone on the spectrum, you know, there's been studies that have proven time and time again how pets can improve someone on the spectrum with their social um, activities and improving their social cues and whatnot. So in a sense, if, if that's what you're looking for, then you need to get a dog because the dog's going to get you out of the house, you know? And a dog has more sort of interaction with its owner than, say, a cat would. Um, so again, there's no there's no right or wrong answer as a as a big statement. It really depends upon the person, where they are on the spectrum, and and what are the things that they could benefit from. Okay, good answer, actually. Mm. And the last question is, what are your thoughts on exotic pets for people just uh. in general? <laughs> um, they're great. Uh, uh, I do find that a lot of people bore of them quickly. You know, they think it would be great having a, a lizard or a turtle or, uh, you know, a beautiful parrot or something of that nature. And because, and they're beautiful and they're fascinating animals. Um, but then they're, they, they sort of have this thought that oh you know i really like animals and i love dogs and and etc cetera, etc cetera, and this parrot is gorgeous or the snake is so cool well the cool factor runs out after a few months and often these exotic animals end up becoming uh just kind of pieces of the furniture and they just sit there and they don't get cared for the way they should and eventually they often get released, which can oh, have, yeah. you know, horrible consequences for the animal because they're not used to living in that environment and or horrible consequences for the environment because it ends up causing uh, uh, like a new species within that within that area. It's a big problem. Yeah, we've had that here where in their forest preserves, people have found hedgehogs and snakes and um dogs and whatnot and it's crazy i mean my personal i mean it just angers me when you hear about people just letting go of their pets instead of giving yeah. them to a rescue agency yeah it doesn't make sense like there's you know in florida the um ball python um is a invasive species not meant to be there and they're all throughout the, the, like the Florida Everglades and they're killing off animals and they're, they're a real danger to the environment and they're actually hiring hunters to go out and, and kill these snakes. Um, or in a much more global setting, 
Um, there's lionfish, these, these beautiful fish in the oceans uh, they usually hang around coral and they, they're highly invasive and have destroyed um, fish populations because all they do is breed and eat and mm. the sharks in the various areas don't know how to hunt them because they have these dangerous spines and like these toxic uh, spikes. And they figure that these lionfish who, who have, you know, they just destroyed small ecosystems all around the world came from five lionfish that were released off the coast of Boston. And within like 30 years, they're now showing up to near Australia. Like it's just, it's devastating. So, and this was somebody who just had it in their aquarium, thought it looked cool. And then eventually didn't know what to do with this. So they just dumped it in the ocean. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So like anything, you got to think, you know, think hard before you get this animal, regardless of if it's exotic or not. Uh, but if it's ex exotic, you know, maybe talk to some people who have had the animals for a while and decide if, is this really for you? Because it's, uh, it, it, it often turns out to be different than what people anticipated. And lastly, what are your, what are the ups and downs for caring for animals? I mean, cause I know people think, oh, I can get a dog and it's just walking it and feeding it, but I'm pretty sure they don't realize there's so much more involved. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, there's a lot more ups than downs, obviously, which is why I'm in this, uh, in this career. And I mean, the, the benefit is basically unconditional love. You know, and all the benefits that come with that. I mean, we all enjoy companionship. We like to have friends. We get to talk to our dogs or cats and they don't argue back most of the time. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's just a, a, a great benefit to our emotions and our physical well-being. Um, and, 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 you know, it's something that you when you lose, you know, 15 years down the road and you promise yourself you're never going to get another one, six months later, you're out getting another one because you realize how much you enjoy having them. Um, but the cons are the commitment that it requires, sometimes the financial commitment, you know, especially with dogs and cats. Uh, and you were talking before the, the show started about your dog having eye ulcers. Um, you know, unless you have insurance, which I'd recommend people get insurance, um, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's something you may not have budgeted for. So you have to be prepared for, uh, especially the last year in the animal's life, just like in people, the last couple of years is always sort of the most challenging, medically speaking. And I think you owe it to that animal who's given you love and attention for five years, 10 years, 15 years, if you're lucky, to have the money necessary to give it a good last six months. So that's really the only disadvantage is the time commitment and the financial commitment. But as long as you know what you're getting into the, the, the pros far outweigh the cons. All right. Well, anyway, thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to talk with me. It's <laughs> been pleasure. such a pleasure. I wish you much more luck in your future with your travels and your clinic and let's stay in touch with each other. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to be on again, without a I'd doubt. I'd love to have you on again. All right, I'll have to. I'll give you a ring and I'll get you on my podcast soon. 
Oh, I didn't realize you had one too. Yeah, I just started one out. Uh, it's 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 very uh, um, it's a very unique name. It's called the Doctor Cliff Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know it's only got ten episodes so far, but I do one weekly, and uh, yeah, we just talk about travel and we talk about animal care, and sometimes we just shoot the breeze and talk about whatever is going on in the world. And certainly, since you're in the U.S. and I'm in Canada, you guys got a lot going on right now. Oh it's yeah, a pretty. Uh, pretty interesting place people just want to get out of here <laughs> come to canada man we'd love to have you i mean ever since ever since things started going up in smoke air everyone's been running to canada i think i read somewhere some some time ago canada's been getting the the passport places and things as their um website's been going down because people have been trying to get passports to get to canada Oh yeah, it became a huge. Uh, it became a huge issue. You come to Toronto though, you're gonna have to stop cheering for the Chicago Blackhawks. Nobody cheers for anybody but the Toronto Maple Leafs here. <laughs> or else that's, go back home. <laughs> that's tough. My cousin is one of the people who paints the Blackhawks um, insignia. He's the only one oh, who's yeah? licensed to do it. Yeah, I'll have to try to get you a poster of his and send it out your way. Oh, I'd love it. That'd be great. Yeah.
We live on 